Here's what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 3, verse number 20. Jesus said this. He said, look, I stand at the door and knock. And if you hear my voice, open the door. I will come in. And I will share a meal together. We will share a meal together as friends. And those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne. And just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. We've been talking about this, uh, being hungry for God. And, uh, you know, recently, now last week I talked about interceding for America. We kind of took a, a week off of this and, and talked about uh, America and praying for America and, and uh, really getting serious uh, with God for, for the state of the world that we're living in. But a couple of weeks ago, we talked about these things as we talked about being hungry for God. And in particular, I talked about be, making, making God welcome. We talked about this, that God is always present. You got to know that today, that whatever's going on in your life, whatever struggle you're going, you're in the midst of, that God is there. God is always with you. Number two, I said this, that my feelings don't affect God, okay? And just because I don't feel like it, just because I don't recognize him, God is still there, all right? He's still with me. The devil wants me to think that he's mad at me or that he's taking some kind of a vacation. But God is always present, and my feelings have nothing to do with it. I also talked to you last week about the very fact that sometimes sin, it affects my knowledge and my, my, my recognition of the Spirit of God because sin is messing with it, and it's interfering with with. It's, it's interfering with, with my walk and my relationship with God. But God is, is still there. And then I talked to you about tuning into God and how our walk with God affects every, literally everything in our life. And I'll probably talk a little bit more about that today. Our walk with God, learning to tune into God, tuning into Him because He's always there. He's always present. My feelings don't affect it, but God is always there. I've just got to tune into God. And so today we're going to talk about these verses in Revelation uh, chapter number 3. In Revelations chapters 2 and 3, in the, uh, Jesus is speaking to the seven churches. In chapter 1, he is, he's walking among the seven churches. And then in chapter 2, he starts talking to the, the, the various churches. First of all, he talks to the church of Ephesus, and then he goes on and he continues to talk and give a message to every one of these churches. And these churches are historical churches because there were seven churches in Asia Minor in the first century by all these names. They're also symbolic of every single church age from the day of Pentecost till the rapture of the church. And then finally, they're also prophetic because every one of these messages is speaking something to the churches of all time in the church today. God's speaking things to us. God has, has admonitions. God has praise. God also has warnings that he's revealing in these messages to, the ch to all the seven churches. So in the, the, the first six, he talks to the first six churches, and then finally he talks to the seventh church, and the seventh church is the, the, the church of Laodicea. Laodicea was a wealthy church. It was the church of Wall Street. It was the, the church of, of Park Avenue. It was the church of Beverly Hills, all wrapped into one. The, when, when people came to church, they came wearing their finest clothes. 
They didn't have cars back in those days, but I'm sure they came in the finest vehicles that were possible because they were a wealthy group of people. Their, their services made everyone feel comfortable and encouraged. The most influential people in all of the community loved to attend because it was just the place to be. And the, the messages, the preaching, the teaching, it never offended anyone. It just kind of fit in with what everyone was doing, what everyone thought, and with everyone's lifestyle. It appeared to be the biggest, the best, and the most beautiful churches, and the members were very proud of themselves, and they were proud of their church. But here's the problem. Jesus revealed Laodicea was a lukewarm church. It was a stale church. It was a stagnant church. It was an apathetic church. They didn't really care about the things of God. They were rich by the world's standards, but they were poor by the standards of, of, of the things of God and the Word of God, and the Spirit of God. And because of that lukewarm state, it literally made Jesus sick to his stomach. Now, the church of Laodicea, you say, what is it? Well, it's really the church of the 21st century. It's the church of the people's rights, where, where people say, well, I really don't care what God's Word says. I, in fact, we'll, just, we'll write our own Word, or we'll just uh, take that part out of the Word of God, and in fact, if there's, a, if, there's a writer, if there's a writer in Scripture that says something we don't like, we'll just take that and we'll just say that wasn't of God anyway, or that was an ancient message and it's not for us today. That's what they did in the church of Laodicea. And it is the condition, the condition of the church was a compromising church. The members were for everything and they were against nothing. They entertained all types of doctrines. They had room for every single lifestyle. Get this. They tolerated everything but Jesus. All right? Jesus wasn't welcome in their church. The first thing I want to talk to you about this morning is this, and it comes from this verse of Scripture. Jesus is knocking. Jesus is still knocking on the door. Jesus is still knocking on the door of the church in America today or the world that we live in. And the interesting thing about this, or the peculiar thing about Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 is Jesus is standing outside of the church of Laodicea. That's very odd. He's knocking on the door of the church. Jesus is literally asking for permission to come into the church. He wants to come in. So he's knocking on the church. He wanted the people to invite him in. Jesus gave himself for the church. He died for the church. And Jesus knew that he was not welcome in the church of Laodicea, but he continued to knock. That's how merciful our God is. That's how merciful Jesus is. In spite of the fact that people say he's not welcome, that he is so merciful and he is so long-suffering that he is still knocking. He's still knocking. Praise God. Swayed, he was still knocking. He was still knocking when you doubted God. He was still knocking. There are many of you today that at one time in your life, maybe you didn't even believe in God. But here's what happened. He was still knocking. He was still there. He was still calling your name. He still had a plan for your life. He was still ready to, to, to write your life's story. Jesus is knocking. He's knocking today. He is, the, Jesus is a gentleman. 
He will not dwell where he is not welcome. He will not stay where he is not wanted. He was knocking on the door of the church. Have you ever had someone knock on the door of your home and then you hid because you didn't want to answer the door? We've all done it. Oh, say, Lord, why in the world are they coming to my house, okay? I really wish they weren't here. I really wish that they weren't go away, so go away. Uh, I wish that they would go away. So what we do is we just ignore them, okay? And we act like they're not there. You know, like they can't hear the television. They can't hear the, the children screaming, okay? They can't see the smoke rising from the barbecue grill on your deck out back, okay? <laughs> I guess no one's home. Maybe the place is just on fire, okay? And so we run and we hide, and then sooner or later... They go away, and we feel guilty for not answering the door. Jesus is knocking this morning. He will not force his way into the church. He will not force his way in to, to, a play, to any place where people are, are, are assembled. He will not force his way into our plans. He will not force his way into our small groups. He will not force his way into, his minis into our ministries. Why? Because Jesus is not a gate crasher. He will only come where he's welcome. But let me assure you of this, that Jesus is still knocking. He's still knocking. He is still merciful. He is still long-suffering. He is still calling today. And we've just got to let Jesus come in and let Jesus take over. That's the only way that I know how to do church is just let Jesus come in and take over. Because all of our plans and all of our programs are never enough. Our plans and programs, as good as they are, they're never going to set anyone free from sin. All right, our, 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 our thoughts and ideas and our plans and, and our intentions, as good as, good as they are, they're never going to save anyone's marriage, all right? As good as they are, we have to let Jesus come in. we got to let the Holy Spirit come in and let him begin to do a work because only when Jesus comes in, he begins to heal the brokenhearted. Only when Jesus comes in, he begins to, to heal the sick and the wounded. He begins to do a mighty miracle in people's lives today. You see, all the philosophies of men will never set anyone free. All the doctrines of the world will never free an individual from sin or give them eternal life. Only Jesus will. But I want to encourage you today and let you know this, that in spite of what we, ha we see happening in the world that we live in or even the church that we, that, that we, that, that we see in our world today, that Jesus is still knocking. He's still calling. Secondly, Christ paid the price for the church. He bought the church. He's standing on the outside. He's knocking, and he's already paid for the church. You and I are the church as members. We make up the body of Christ. We are the church today. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 says this. Jesus says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Jesus gave his life for her. Jesus gave his life for the church. I want you to imagine coming home. Now, I know anyone ever had your home broken into before? I know Linda and Ernest have had their home broken into before. Can you imagine having your home broken into and not only do they steal your stuff, okay, they take all your stuff, 
But John the thief comes in, takes your stuff, and then takes over the house, and he, he goes to Walmart and he buys a new lock. And he puts a new lock on the door. And he takes up residence in your house. Can you imagine how absolutely ridiculous that would be? And then he takes and posts a sign out in your yard that says, no trespassing. This is what the church of Laodicea had done. Jesus had already paid for the church. The church was his. He was the rightful owner of the church. They took the church over. They changed the lock on the church, and they put a sign that says, no trespassing. But you know what? Jesus was still knocking. Why? Because he had paid the price for the church. They had the building, but the Spirit of God was not present. Christ paid for the church. So we got to give rightful control to Jesus. We can be so fearful of offending someone, oh God help us. We're so, we can be so afraid of offending, offending someone that Jesus isn't even welcome in the church, okay? We can become like the church of Laodicea where Jesus is on the outside, but Christ paid the price for the church. We can water down the gospel to the point that Jesus is no longer welcome. We can come to church, we can come to church, and, and, and years ago we had an insurance man and he came into our church and he said, man, he was looking at our church and, and this is back when I was at Solid Rock and, and uh, insurance guy comes in and, and it's a very successful church and he comes in and he goes, wow, he said, man, you praise churches are really doing good. You know, it's, it's just the praise churches, you know, and you guys are just really doing a great work. It was just a no, we just let Jesus take over, you know, we just make Jesus welcome. We ditch our programs and say, Lord, what do you want? How, how, how do you want to move, God? How do you want to minister? And that's exactly what we've got to do. Because a building is nothing without the spirit and the presence of God. A building is nothing. No life will ever be changed. No one will ever be set free. But when Jesus comes in and he takes control, then things, life comes. And, and, and the Lord begins to do grateful things. Jesus paid the price for the church. we got to give him rightful control today. We, we've got to come in and, and we've, got to, we've got to realize that he, he paid for the church. Some folks are trying to design the church to fit their wishes. A lady called the office one time and she said, I'm looking for a certain kind of a church. I'm looking for a, just a, the kind of church that sings a certain kind of a song. I'm looking for a certain kind of a church and they, they, they preach a certain kind of a doctrine and they've got a little bit of Calvinism and they've got a little bit of this and they've got a little bit of that and they've got a little bit of dignity and, and they've got, you know, just a, just a feel good. I'm looking for a certain kind of church because I went to a church like that in Colorado and I'm looking for that kind of church all over again. Is that what you've got to offer? I said, I don't know, ma'am. I really don't know if that's what you're looking for or not, but you're, you're more than welcome to come. You're more than welcome to check it out. I just don't know. But we want the Lord to come in. You see, sometimes we, we, we try to design a church with just the right kind of decor. I was talking to a guy from Louisiana and down at our convention a couple weeks ago, and, and he was showing me his, his church and his auditorium, and I noticed this, that the lights were, were turned low, and uh, they had, you know, a big lighted cross on their stage. And, and I told him, I said, you know, there's a lot of people who don't like that. They just, they, they just don't like all this black stuff all over the place. They just, but we can make a doctrine out of anything, all right? 
And we can get so ridiculous about literally everything. But what we try to do is we try to, we try to design a church with just exactly the right kind of decor and the right color walls and the right color ceiling and the right kind of music and say, bless God, if we, if we just sing the right kind of, if we can sing the kind of songs we sang when I was a kid growing up. If we could just get back, if we could, if we could get the right translation of the Bible. Listen, the Lord isn't in, in any of those things, okay? Those are, just, those are just methods. It's the message of Christ and Him crucified. It is the message that He is the resurrected Savior. It is the message of the, of the price that He paid and the blood that He shed upon the cross that, that is the difference today. We can, we can try to design it. We can attempt to dictate who can and can't attend the church. But you got to know this that we do not own the church. The church belongs to Jesus. He's knocking at the door. He's already paid the price for the church. And we got to allow him to take over. It, it's not, the church is not owned by a group. We, we are the church today. As members of Christ, as members of the body of Christ, we are the church today. Christ paid for the church. The church was bought by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. The deed was signed with the blood that Christ shed up on the cross. And then the deed to the church was sealed by the resurrection of Jesus on the third day. Now, most Christians, I would imagine that, now let's hear, can we get a kind of transition here. Most Christians want Jesus in the church. Pray, amen, brother. Pastor Bob, yes, we need Jesus in the church. Yes, brother, preach it. Preach on. Yes, we need God to come down. We need God. To, we need the Holy Spirit to come down. We need the Holy Spirit to move. Yes, preach on, brother. We like the idea of Jesus in the church, okay? But I've got a question for you. Where's Jesus welcome in your life? That is the question today. Is Jesus welcome in your life, okay? Because he's not only knocking on the, on the door of the church, more importantly, he is knocking on the door of your heart. Jesus is knocking. He's knocking right now. You say, I don't even, I don't even believe in God. He's knocking. He's still knocking. He is still long-suffering. He is merciful. He is, he is knocking on your heart's door. Do we make a place of Je for Jesus in our life, in our home? in our marriage, or rather do we tell Jesus, hey, Jesus, just stay there at church, and I'll meet you back there next Sunday morning. Because, Jesus, that's the place where you're welcome. <laughs> but what do we do with Jesus? Where is Jesus in our life? He's not only knocking on the door of the church, he's knocking on our heart's door today. And some of us, we tell Jesus, we say, stay in the church Stay out of my business. Stay out of my home. Don't check my magazine subscriptions. Don't check my Netflix account. Jesus, stay right there in church, and I'll see you next Sunday morning. See, some of us have been flying solo for such a long time. Our, if we'll just admit it, our life is a train wreck. You know why? Because we're making all of our own choices. We're making all of our own decisions. We're never talking to God. We're never consulting with the Lord. Yes, maybe on Sunday morning every once in a while, but not on a consistent and not on a regular basis because Jesus, and, and within our heart, okay, we feel this. We sense this. 
We've got guilt that we're, that we're struggling with. We've got condemnation that we're struggling with. You say, I don't know why. And the reason is, is because Jesus is knocking at your heart, heart's door and you're saying, Jesus, not today, not today, maybe some other time. But Jesus is asking for permission into your life today. Sometimes we get just enough of Jesus on Sunday morning to settle our nerves down. And then the rest of the time we're living in misery. But Jesus is knocking. Christ is knocking. Christ paid the price for the church. And point number three, Christ paid the price for you and me. He paid the price for you and me. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. It tells us this, For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. You see, Christ paid for the church, but he also paid a great price for you and me. When he went to the cross, he did it all for you and me. He gave it all for you and me, and he cares for us today. And we've got to let Jesus come in because he's knocking. We've got to let Jesus come in to every single nook and cranny of our life. We've got to let him come in. We've got to let Jesus take over. We've got to get rid of our own ideas and opinions and get and say, Lord, what are you trying to speak to me? God, how is your word speaking to me? Lord, I want you to take over full control of my being. I want you to take over my family. I want you to take over my relationships. I want you to take over my courtships. If you're single, I want you to take over my, 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 my uh, dating. I want you to take it all over. I want you to take over my finances. I want you to take over everything, my business, every portion and every part of my life. Know this, that Christ is knocking at your heart's door and he wants to take over full control. He paid for the church, but he also paid for you and me today. You see, Jesus is either the God of everything. Understand this. Jesus is the God, big G, God of everything, or he's the little G, God of nothing. He's God of everything, or he's God of nothing. In fact, the very first commandment, you know, he said, I'll have no other gods before me. No other gods. He won't settle. Jesus won't settle for being a part-time savior. Jesus doesn't settle for a Sunday morning relationship, but he's knocking today. Look at this, look at this scripture. I'll be closing in just a couple moments. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Jesus said this. Look, I stand at the door and knock, and if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. You see, when we let Jesus in, we have, we'll have dinner with him. Now, we dine with our closest friends, okay? We dine with people that we can, we can trust. We dine with people that we're sure, Chris, we dine with people that we're sure won't steal our food, okay? <laughs> we dine with them. We dine with our, our wife. We dine with our children. We dine with our family. We dine with those whom we live close to. Jesus wants to come in and not only be just a, 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 a part-time acquaintance, a passing acquaintance, but Jesus wants to come in and dine with you. He wants to come in and live with you 
because he's always there and he's always present, we got to make him welcome. Point number four, the last one I'm closing. We got to open the door. Open the door and let him come in and live with us and feast with us and feed us. We've got to open the door and let Jesus come in and convict us. Let Jesus come in and say, Lord, if there's something in my life that is not of you, Lord, begin to deal with me about it. I want to get rid of it. I want, to, I want it to be removed from my life. If there's something in my life that's interfering with my walk and my relationship with you, I want to get rid of it. Lord, I want to open the door and I want to let you come into my life. And I want you to illuminate your word. I want you to illuminate scripture to me and allow that scripture to change my, my life and to change the way that I think and the way that I act today. We're opening the word of, we're opening the door, and the word of God brings radical change into our life. We're opening the door, and Jesus, the living word of God, is coming into our life, and he's showing us how to act and how to live and, and how to think and all those things. You see, the word of God will change every portion of your life. Jesus said this in John chapter 14. This is on the night before he was crucified. He told the disciples this. He said, Jesus replied, he said, all of you who love me will do what I say. All who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. We got to open the door and do what Jesus says. And as we do what Jesus says and live according to his word, he begins to renew our mind. He begins to renew our thoughts. He begins to renew everything, and, and he begins to resource. As we open the door, he begins to convict us of sin. He begins to give us direction and purpose and wisdom and knowledge. we got to open the door and let Jesus come in. And when we open the door and allow Jesus to come in, he begins to reveal the dreams and plans of God to us and God's direction for our life today. This is God's will today. Open the door. When we open the door and let Jesus come in, we feel freedom over guilt and condemnation. He gives our life clarity and direction today. You see, Jesus is knocking. He's knocking. He's already paid for the church. He's already paid for you and me. He's knocking today. We just got to let him come in. Say, Jesus, you're welcome. You're welcome. You own this place. Jesus, you own this temple. You own this church. You own me. And Lord, give me wisdom. Give me knowledge. Give me instruction. Lord, help me in the way that I should go. Stand with me this morning. We're going to close our online portion with this prayer this morning, and then we're going to sing, and we're going to praise God, and we'll, we'll have a time of prayer, all right? Let's, let's close today with this. Heavenly Father, we thank you today, God, that you love us, and I pray, Lord, that we would begin to hunger and thirst for your righteousness, that we would make you welcome, not only in our church, not only in our church services, God, but more importantly, we will make you welcome in, in our life, in our everyday life, 24-7, in everything that we do, in everything that we think, in everything that we are, everything that we hope to be. God, that you are welcome. Lord, that you are welcome. 
Jesus, you're welcome. Go with us. Give us direction. Help us, I pray, God. Help us. Help me to get rid of my selfishness. Help me to get rid of my egotism and my self-centeredness, dear God. Help me, I pray, dear God, to focus upon you. Help us, Lord, where we're not like the church of Laodicea where you're knocking and you're on the outside and, and seeking an invitation. But, Lord, you're welcome in this place and you're welcome in my life. You're welcome in my family. You're welcome in my marriage. You're welcome in my parenting. You're welcome in, welcome in my leadership and my job and my business and everything that I do, God. Let us pray that prayer that you're welcome in every relationship. If we're single, God, or we're, God, and we're dating, you're welcome, Lord, when we're dating. You're, wel you're welcome, Lord, in all areas of our life. Help us, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's sing.